Getting right with the shell shock pizza kings. Can't stop these radical dudes. The secret of the ooze made the chosen few. Emerge from the shadows to make their move. The good guys win and the bad guys lose. Raphael's got the most attitude on the team Michelangelo, he's one of a kind And he know this where to find it when it's party time That's a splinter out of every single skill they need To be one lead, mean, greedy, critical team Hello there everybody, welcome to the second episode of Podcast in a Half Shell I'm your co-host with the co-most, Duncan And, well, not beside me this time, but over Skype is the wonderful Stace Alright, ducks How are we? I'm not too bad. I do want to preface this episode with two apologies. Um, the first is sorry that it's so delayed, but I've had a cold and kept putting things off. And then also the internet at uh, an entire episode and made me do a cry on the floor of my living room. So apologies that this is later than it really should be. And also apologies if I cough all over the episode, because uh, I don't mean to, but I can't help it. Sorry. Can I just ask, did you just say preface? I did, yeah. Well, what's wrong with that? It's preface. No, it's pre. It's definitely preface. Your preface. You can't. You can't preface an episode. <laughs> of course, you can pre. <laughs> P R E. Oh wow! Oh, now I'm really dating myself. Good start, Dunk. Thanks. Um, I'm here to help. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <sighs> now. Seeing as we've already, uh, since this is the second time we've done the second episode of Podcast in a Half Show, would you like to mix things up this time, Stace, instead of starting the way we did last time? Oh. Or would you like to start on how we did before? Uh, do you know what? I don't mind if you want to mix it up. Let's mix it up. I'm easy, like a Sunday morning. Oh, I like that song. But <laughs> Lionel Richie music aside, I tell you what, let's start. Let's start this time. Let's Let's mix things up a little bit. For our, for us, not for anybody else, because we're the only say. ones we're the only ones that know what's what was said last time. Let's start by discussing the wonderful finale to the Nickelodeon Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series. Core blimey, Governor. Core blimey. How good was it? It was like I don't even know how to describe how good it was because I feel like all of my words will fail it miserably. <laughs> <laughs> like it was basically I was watching it the entire time going oh no they can't do that can oh, they did oh my god they can't do this can they oh they got oh oh and just basically like had a fangasm meltdown like the entire time that's because it was awesome it really, it really was. was it had me on the edge of my seat it was fantastic I've got to say the one thing that really struck me the most about it like obviously we'll go a bit more in depth as to what actually happened mm. but the thing that got me the most about it was the fact that it felt so much more adult tonally, and not in terms of like it wasn't sexy or like really super violent or anything, but it definitely felt darker. But it's still, yeah, it still felt like I could easily show that to like my little cousins and they wouldn't bat an eyelid kind of thing. Like, I don't know how they managed to do it because they basically they did like some of the best storylines that have been in the comics and the films and stuff and just pulled all the best bits out of everything and went, here it is in an episode, we're high. And yet somehow they made it so completely like compelling for like I would imagine all ages. I can't say for definite because I don't know any children that watch it, which is kind of sad now that I think about it. <laughs> My two loved it for a uh, for a reference point. Oh, good, 
Good. They, th- they thought it was awesome, and that's because I've taught them well. Well, I was going to say, is it that, or is it because they fear that you might kick their heads in if, <laughs> if they go, no, do you know what? Do you know what, Dad? Turtles are shit, yeah. Don't like it. It's a little from column A and a little from column B, <laughs> but for the love of God, please don't anybody call child services. That is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're definitely joking. It's funny. And do you want to tell people a little bit about what happened in it? Like, spoilers for everything that's going to be talked about in this episode, by the way. Just, you know, because... Well, now, if memory serves me rightly, the episode... I can't remember if it opens with the turtles... Uh, the turtles arguing in the lair about whether they should be finding the tech- Technodrome or fight, uh, fighting... The- no, that's it. They want to... Donnie wants to get the turtle mech ready. Mm-hmm. And I think the turtles want to go and find the Technodrome. Is that right? Or am I thinking of the comics? I don't know. <laughs> oh God! I'm d- this t- Wait, do you know what? Same. This is the exact same problem we had the last time we recorded the episode. We we we're both suffering from an overdose of turtles media at the moment. <laughs> and I didn't make very um very comprehensive notes for this because under under my notes for Nickelodeon finale it just says yes in capital letters. <laughs> well, <laughs> and that's you know actually what? a joke. To be fair, I, <laughs> I I agree with that. I support that statement. <laughs> but um yeah, base, um this uh, to begin with it's this sort of there's a turtles in the sewers. Uh, and they're having what they should be doing. While this is going on, April O'Neil wandering through the streets of New York and get attacked by Foot Ninja. Uh, April takes the opportunity, this opportunity to take Irma down to the lair to get her out of harm's way. I think whilst well. I can't remember, whereabouts is Casey Jones when this is all kicking off, or does he not? He comes in later on, doesn't he? Yeah, I think? I think he just appears later on. I don't recollect him being at the start. No, 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 he does. No, because uh, he tries to help April and Irma, doesn't he? I'm sure he does at some point, but I think they get split up from him. Irma, uh, it is revealed when she's down in the lair, and a great, uh, well, a massive spoiler, but a fantastic plot twist. It turns out that Irma's a Krang infiltration unit. Holy shit snacks. I almost did a dead when this happened because I am... I've been watching, as you were just saying about our overload of turtlesness, mm-hmm. I've been watching a lot of the 80s cartoon recently and um, I've always felt a bit sad for Irma because she's kind of pathetic and desperate. Like, like watching it now as an adult, she's actually creepily desperate for a dude and she just like wanders around in that frumpy massive jumper and super long skirt just looking really lonely all the time. <laughs> I just feel really bad for her. So I was like, I was quite enjoying this new take on Irma because she seems quite smart. She seems quite savvy and stuff. And then, oh my God, her head popped off and she's a fucking Krang robot thing. And I was just like, oh, what? Almost with, fell out uh, my chair. With Japanese horror hands and everything. Terrifying. I can't, do you know what? The, I mean, the last time we did this, I was on video call <laughs> and I was able to do the hand motion for you. And I'm doing it now, but you can't see me. Yeah, no, I can't see you. <laughs> It's, oh, it's, it's, it's like, I can't deal with people when their bodies look all jangly. Like, that sounds really weird. But, you know, like... What, like, like me? No, you're gangly. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's a different thing, jangly and gangly. You know, like, for the, for the listener, if you were to sort of envision, like, the bird from the grudge when she's creeping down the stairs, all, like, jaggedy and... Ugh, yeah. Twitchy and horrible and... Ugh. Yeah, and bending in all the wrong places and stuff. Yeah, that. 
yeah, she did one of them. So, of course, the lair just immediately gets overrun. Because, uh, I, I mean, it's, pretty, it's a pretty long game by the crank, but it's a bloody good one, isn't it? Well, yeah, because nobody saw that one come in, apparently. I had absolutely uh, no clue. Like, I thought, oh, there's, they've just put someone in it called Irma because, oh, like, throwback to the 80s show. Oh, ain't that nice? <laughs> it's like fucking long yeah, but that was crankness. It was such a good red herring, though. It really was. I did like. I don't think anybody would have seen that coming, except people who've listened to this and not seen it yet. <laughs> well, they're probably listening to the wrong podcast. Then, in that case, if they've not already seen it, <laughs> quite possibly. But this is the um, this is the point in the episode where the turtles get split up and everything just gets even more awesome. As if, like, I think this was the thing that got me about the finale was the fact that, like, every time something happened, I was like, "Oh my god, how's this episode going to get any better?" And then it still just got better. <laughs> It was so fucking good. It did seem to quite enjoy turning everything up to 11. It really did, didn't it? Like, I think it went up to about 15, to be fair. <laughs> this this wasn't 11. This was definitely, like, at least a 15. Well, let's ca- I'll tell you what. We'll, let's carry on with the... Uh, uh, once the Krang have overrun the lair, the turtles get split up. Uh, Leonardo winds up out on his own solo. And the other three turtles... Uh, where um, where are they? They're, they're trying to get to the. Uh, no, they go. Uh, where is it? They wind up escaping with April, and Splinter stays behind and fights the Krang infiltration unit. Yep. Whilst all this is kicking off, New York get full on gets invaded by the Krang, and they start mutating everybody. Leonardo starts kicking all kinds of ass throughout the rooftops and building sites of New York. Donatello quite possibly introduces the best turtle vehicle that I've ever seen in the entirety of the canon ever, the Turtle Mech. So ridiculous and insane and Silver Age Batman in its sort of, in its concept, but brilliant as well. I thought that was wonderful. It was like Turtles meets Power Rangers Megazord situation. (laughs) Oh, it was fantastic. I was just upset that it got stomped down. I was going to say, my only problem with it was that it was a bit shit though, really. Like, <laughs> I really wanted it to be like the most badass weapon so that Donnie could just be like, in your face, everybody who said this was a bad idea because watch it kick all the ass. Uh, yeah, but like, get... you, like you said last time though, it wasn't ready. No, this is true. It, it wasn't ready. He did have to sort of like throw it into the heat of Krang Invasion Battle. But, oh, God. It was just so much fun to see them all like working together uh in a big, like, Megazord-type situation. <laughs> I just wonder where Donnie gets all this shit from, because there's not going to be that much good in the sewers. <laughs> like, where's he tea-leafing from? He's scavenging from Krangbots. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do. That'll do. But I've got to say, I've got to give him props. I know I always pick on you for Leonardo being your favourite, because Leonardo's the worst. Because he's amazing. But he's the worst. <laughs> but, you can't accept it because you chose Donatello to be your favourite turtle. He's clearly the best, though. Uh, no, no, yeah, no. You know this I'll is ex- probably a discussion for another time. I, we need to find um, somebody who likes Raph and somebody who likes Michelangelo, and we can spend an episode going at it. To be fair, I could accept a Raph. Like, I could definitely accept a Raph. And it depends which incarnation you're talking about as to whether or not I could accept a Mikey. <laughs> but you're right, this is a conversation that could end up taking us on a whole other... <laughs> Actually, can I just ask? Yeah. Rich likes Raph. Am I wrong? No, you are correct. Boom. There we go. There I know, my friends. <laughs> well, there we go. So we've got one down. 
<laughs> yeah. There we go. We and just need fair, someone else. Rich is pretty filled with rage as well, so it makes sense. Well, yeah, he'll defend it to the death and all, so there you go. Look, we're getting off track, and I was trying yeah. to give your boy Leo some props and everything. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, two things. A, he comes off as, like, the world's most ultimate badass in this episode. Like, when he gets split from the other brothers... Um, he essentially goes on like a one-man fucking killing spree in terms of like footbots and crang and stuff. And then somehow, and I, I still can't figure out how he did this, considering like all four of them have never like properly beaten them before, but he sort of like single-handedly takes on like Tiger Claw and... Um, Sheer Khan. <laughs> it's not Sheer Khan. It's, it's Sheer Khan. I'm not... No, his name's Sheer Khan. <laughs> I'm not calling him Tiger Claw. It's stupid. Um, and Michael I'm quite happy. Would cry to hear you say that. Well, he could cry all he wants. Sheer Khan's funnier. I still maintain that. That's that's one joke that I'm going to bring over from the last episode. Is that I'm <laughs> I'm positive it's called Sheer Khan. <laughs> no, it's definitely Tiger Claw. Um, and uh, yeah, so he kicks all kinds of ass. And I also want to give props to the dude who was doing the voice then because it wasn't Jason Biggs, but it hadn't changed to Seth Green by then. And I think the bloke who did the voice was awesome uh, in the sense that I hadn't, I didn't notice that Biggs wasn't there, really. There was one one little bit where I thought, oh, that, that doesn't sound normal. And it was only because I looked it up online and I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't realise he'd left already that, um, that I even noticed that this this wasn't Biggs. I think he did a really wicked job. Well, like I said last time, I, I, even though I knew that he was leaving, I was still convinced that it was Jason Biggs because the guy did such a good job. Yeah, I, I don't understand why we couldn't have kept him, but again, that's that's a talk for a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, we'll get to that one. <laughs> yeah. So, going back to this episode, we get, like, in episode one, you were saying that you're... Uh, your only gripe, really, with the 1990 Turtles movie was the fact that um, Raph was the one who gets uh, the shit kicked out of him and thrown through the skylight, because in the in the original comics it was Leo that uh, takes on a ton of foot and fails. Not miserably, he makes a fucking valiant effort, but, you know, fair yeah, part, he, gets, t- he gets overwhelmed. That, that's it. Um, you know, <laughs> he's, he's one turtle, he's one ninja against what's effectively a small army. Yeah, exactly. So it's the, the Leonardo one-shot, that's that tale is. Um, and then I believe that it, that leads into them leaving to go back to April's family farm, which, funnily enough, is exactly what happens at the end of of this uh, fantastic season finale. Mm. I've got to say, I was so surprised that they did the uh, the bit with Leo in the window because I... As somebody who has recently read a lot of the comics and watched a load of the TV shows and all that sort of stuff, like totally oversaturating myself with turtly goodness, <laughs> I could see what they were doing, but I didn't think they'd do it because I thought that's going to be too much for a kids' show to to like fucking beat ten tons of shit out of Leonardo and throw him through a fucking winter. But they only went and shit and did it. It was so good. Like I was genuinely having a cry. I was so glad Rich was in the bath while we were watching it because he would have mocked me relentlessly but I just thought like do you know what got me the most was when they all get bundled into Casey Jones van and um, April's like quick let's fuck off to this farm in Northampton because holy shit what's happening in New York hang on what was the name of the van eh what was the name of the van do you remember oh no you've made me doubt myself I don't want to say the party wagon of course it is 
course it is. I knew that. I was just scared to say because you, you made me doubt myself from the beginning of this episode now. We make each other doubt ourselves, to be fair, Stace, in equal measure. <laughs> we are pretty shit. But it was when they're all bundled up in that van, it was Donatello's face when he's just looking at Leo because he blatantly thinks it's his fault that Leo got like the shit kicked out of him. And uh, and it was a little bit, to be fair. It was well, I didn't like, want to say. Tugged at the heartstrings. I was just like, oh, no. His brother might be tired of it. It's his fault. Oh, no, no. And a little bit of a... He's always making you emotional, that Donatello is, I tell you. Do you know why Leonardo doesn't make me cry? Because he normally kicks the shit out of everyone. And he's got swords instead of like a... A stick. (laughs) Yeah, he's not got a broom handle to fight people with. Do you know, I was watching an episode earlier where, uh, you know, in the first series where they first try and fight the Shredder and they're just like really bad at it. Mm. There's there's a bit where uh, Donatello just like hits him with the bow staff and it just snaps him off and he's like, oh, (laughs) crap. I just thought it is a pretty shit-tacular weapon to have in it. In all fairness. <laughs> well, you could make it out of some kind of lightweight man. He's supposed to be a genius again, for God's sake. Mm, yeah, this he, is he's like this this new incarnation of Donatello is bordering on like the old eighties version where it's like, Yeah, I've cobbled together like a donut and two pipes <laughs> and it's I don't know, a dimensional <laughs> torch or something. I don't know. You know, the sort of daft stuff that he always used to do. He somehow managed to like MacGyver a a, a time machine out of a battery and a, a paper clip or something stupid like that do you know what i mean <laughs> oh, i love donatello he's so cool anyway we get, we're getting a bit off track again the finale was like without a doubt the best like was it an hour i can't remember was it an hour or not i forget it was about close to yeah yeah uh, it was like probably one of the best hours of telly i've watched for a really long time and um like, Rich came downstairs after his bath and he was like, oh, good episode. And I was just there, like an emotional wreck. Like, <laughs> where's episode one of the next series? I need to see what happens. <laughs> because like, they leave it as well with the turtles thinking that Splinter's dead. <laughs> My heart. I can't even cope. Don't worry, you know he won't be. Well, no, you know, like, we as, a, as an audience know that he's not anyway, don't we? Because doesn't Karai save him from the sewers? Yes, yes, she does. In her slithery, yeah. snaky form. Weird, mutated Karai. Yeah, but um, so obviously, like we know he's all right. But the last the turtle saw of him, he was he was like getting straight up murdered by Shredder. So you know that's pretty harsh. Well, hopefully, like we'll get Leonardo meditating and little spirit reunion of them both, like in the film. Oh my god! Oh, I'd like that. Greatest! I would love that. I would love that so much. Oh, I, I tell you what, I'm just so excited for what the next series is going to bring because I know we've watched a few episodes anyway because mm. it started basically immediately, which I'm so fucking thankful for because that was a cliffhanger and an off. <laughs> you can't leave me with that. Yeah, I'm so glad it started so quickly and I've watched a few episodes and I've got to say, like, aside from one episode that I think was a bit of a duff, um, it's, it's come out fucking out the gate pretty fucking good. Yeah, but with funnily, you know how it how it ended. There's no way that it had been strange for it to come back and been like, "Oh, this kind of sucks." <laughs> you know, they've got such a they've obviously got a really strong writing team behind them, and they really respect the mythos. I mean, mm. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. You've given me a cough. You've given me a computer it's virus. Right, I'm gonna- ah, that was a terrible joke. Um, <laughs> I'm going to cough all over you. Just, just to clarify, that crap joke of mine is because we are using Skype at the moment. So, you know, I, I really, I'm, I'm such a 
fucking dad sometimes um <laughs> computer virus that's terrible i should you know what if I, if it was in person you'd have full right to slap me i was gonna say i'm not editing it out though it's, that it's definitely staying in no well you know just make sure you remember and hit me next time you see me <laughs> okay fair enough yeah what was i gonna say uh it, it, i mean as we were saying just before we started uh recording I've already watched a little bit of this of the newest episode, and it's got Napoleon Bonafrog of the Punk Frogs in it. Oh, I love the Punk Frog. I actually watched that episode of the eighties one the other week. Oh, I got I had that on video. I love it. Oh, I used to love that one, but um, just the the like the reverence to the to the source material and the way that the the writing staff are basically they're, they're basically including that like, nearly every kind of turtles media in this one particular offshoot of the franchise, if you like. So that we've had the comics, we've had the movies, uh, we've had the pre up well, from what I can tell, anyway, like sort of both of the previous um, animated versions uh, have been referenced at some point or another. It's just, they obviously love the source material, and that's it shows through so well, and it's such a good program, and it looks so lovely in CGI. It really does. Like, I remember when I first found out about it, and I was just like, oh, because I, as you know, Stace, I really like the 2003 series, and I was really nervous about this. It was like, oh, it looks a bit daft. I don't want it to be silly, and they've done nothing but prove me wrong, and I'm I'm grateful for it. Still not a massive fan of Mikey shouting Booyakasha instead of Cowabunga, but, you know. Do you know, I've grown to love Booyakasha. Uh, I, I love Greg Sykes' delivery of it. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I, 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 basically, anything that comes out of their mouths is pretty much fine by me, though. Yeah, it just makes me think of Ali Bloody G, though. That's the problem. Oh, see, I was never that... Like, I didn't never paid any attention to Ali G, so it's not... It's not something I care about. <laughs> yeah, no, that all that. Yeah, <laughs> sadly, that was quite a big thing going on at our school when uh, when we were all young teenagers. So yeah. couldn't get That's away from him. <laughs> well, ruin that word. <laughs> t- t- to be fair, uh, it's not the greatest of words, but to like, it's not like the turtles haven't said worse. Like, I think one of the most cringeworthy moments is Donatello trying to be cool in the first movie when he's like bossing over and they're all like oh, come on boy yeah but that's kind of cute because he's nerdy and you know he's, he's just sort of trying a bit too hard I suppose I suppose anyway so I'll make excuses say. for your favourite <laughs> <laughs> I won't for Leo because he's shit no he's not shit I, I've had this discussion with people before and I keep saying he's not shit because he's still a mutant ninja turtle badass and he's, he's just, the best fighter out of all of them but he's just not the best one is all he's just my least favourite. He's not actually crap, so you know can't pick on him that much. But can we? Whilst we're talking about Leo, can we can we talk a little bit about his uh, his new voice? If we must, <laughs> if we must. Um, now <laughs> we've we've talked about this between ourselves a few a few times now, and as you found out last episode, originally. Ah, well, okay. Let's start from the beginning. I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. As most of us probably already aware, Jason Biggs has been replaced twice, actually, as, as we've already stated. One by a sort of sound-alike, and now this poor sound-alike has been replaced by none other than Buffy the Vampire Slayer and TV's Family Guy's Seth Green. Mm-hmm. 
Um, now, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you take this one, Stace. I think. Okay. Well, I. <laughs> I, I struggled with it a bit because when it was announced, I wanted to keep an open mind, but my experience of him doing voices in things is that he either does his own completely natural voice, which is incredibly distracting because it sounds just like him and you can't disassociate it, or he does like over-the-top ridiculous caricature-style voices like Chris in Family Guy. So I was a bit trepidatious because I thought... He can't do anything too like bombastic because it would be ridiculous compared to everybody else in the show. But he, he can't do his own natural voice because I'll be really fucking annoyed. <laughs> so um, you know, I was I was holding out hope, and uh, unfortunately, my hopes were dashed the instant Leonardo woke up and opened his gob and out came Seth Green's completely natural voice. <laughs> it just doesn't work. No, no, no. It wasn't completely his natural voice. It was his natural voice. Down an octave. <laughs> was it even down that far? Are, you sure? Are we sure it wasn't uh, down like maybe like a note? Enough that it was slightly deeper than how he normally sounds, I think, but not by a great deal. Yeah, I mean, as I said last time on uh, the, the the second episode, <laughs> <laughs> the episode that never was. Yeah, that's it. Um, as I said last time, it's in the episode. It's it's kind of written off as all right, he's received somehow enough damage to his vocal cords that it makes him sound slightly different. But completely doesn't, different. Yeah, oh yeah, sorry, completely different, <laughs> but it doesn't affect him, his voice, his speaking or anything like that. So now I'd imagine something like that would require quite a lot of damage, so I'm mildly surprised he's either not cognitose or crippled anyway. <laughs> Just because it, it I, I don't know, it, it's such a, it, like, I initially, I thought it was a cute little thing because of, of being so used to old 80s cartoons where, you know, one week you're listening to Lorenzo Muzak as, oh, is that his name, Lorenzo? It is. it is, yes. Yeah, as, right. uh, as Lorenzo Muzak as Peter Venkman, and then the next week is fucking Dave Coulier doing like a, knock-off Bill Murray impression instead of him sounding like Garfield, which I actually always preferred anyway, but uh, for, with no explanation whatsoever. And I thought, oh, that's quite nice. That's quite cute. And then as I thought about it, I've gradually become more infuriated with it about how <laughs> fucking stupid it is. <laughs> my, my biggest problem is that I was really hoping... like. It's a lot easier to brush off the voice changing completely if they don't mention it in the show. Mm. But the fact that they tried to pass it off, because I know, I know we're not living in a land of like real science and realistic stuff because, you know, we're watching a program about <laughs> mutant ninja turtles, for fuck's sake. Like, if they say that you can sustain enough vocal, like vocal cord damage to change your voice but not ruin it completely, I should accept that because talking turtly rats and whatnot. I can't accept it though, because it's it's Stupid. just pointing out to me how different and wrong his voice is, and it's it's definitely not good. Like before this new series started, Rich and I tried to watch um, Hulk: Agents of Smash, in which Seth Green plays someone I can't remember. A bomb. And there you go. And uh, the instant he opened his mouth, we were just like, "Oh well, I can't, I can't not think of Seth Green." Like it's, just, it's like he's just gone in there and read some lines and left. Like he's done. 
It sounds really horrible to say he hasn't made an effort, because I'm sure he has. But it doesn't sound like he's made any sort of an effort, and that bothers me, because it just seems lazy, and it, it doesn't suit Leonardo at all. Well, I don't think. Um, this is the I'm thing. With it. I, I've watched a fair bit of that programme as well, Hulk and the Agents of Smash, with having the little ones. And, yeah, I'm sure I'd have had to have my arm twisted to give it a watch anyway. <laughs> but, like, you listen to Clancy Brown doing the Red Hulk, and, yeah, all right, he sounds... A, you could, Anybody who knows what Clancy Brown sounds like knows it's Clancy Brown. But mm. he at least sounds... He sounds like an authoritative sort of general type, like a, a gen, when I say general, I mean army general mm-hmm. kind of character. And he's, and he's, yeah, he sounds great. And like Fred Tattershaw, as usual, sounds fantastic doing the Hulk. And I'm pretty confident he doesn't sound like that in real life. But Seth Green and Eliza Dushku just do Seth Green and Eliza Dushku. That we stopped watching it, we couldn't get behind the voices, like particularly them pair. We, could, we couldn't get behind it, and we had to stop watching it because we were just like, "No, can't do it." Yeah, but you don't just, have two seven-year-olds. Yeah, this. I is haven't true. got a great deal of choice in the matter. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. It's just a shame, I think, and I, I, I don't know whether I'll get more used to it when Leo's in it more, because obviously at the moment with him being like sidelined almost, properly, properly banged up. Yeah, he's not been in it a fat lot. Uh, like he was asleep for a good portion of the first episode, mm. um, and he just he's like obviously he's on crutches and stuff, so he hasn't he hasn't been much in the action in the other episodes I've seen. So I don't know whether it will take like more exposure to it for me to get used to it, but I just think it's a bit of a shame because I was pleasantly surprised by Jason Biggs and Sean Astin to be honest. Because when when I found out beforehand that those pair were doing voices on the show, I was like, ooh. It's going to be a bit weird, isn't it? But Sean Astin's voice, I couldn't like couldn't recognise it even slightly. I was like, "Fuck, he's doing a really wicked job here," and uh, and I was pleasantly surprised by Biggs as well. I thought he did a really good job. At... He sounds authoritative enough at Leo, but not like he's not like snotty or like arrogant or whatever. Um, whereas I think Seth Green just comes across as like tired. <laughs> like, <laughs> he like, really all does. The fucking time, he's just tired. He really like, all does. The time. Um, Do you know what? I, I, you've actually probably hit the nail on the head with <clears throat> with the Jason Biggs Leo because he's probably about the pie fucker has managed to create the most laid back version of Leonardo whilst also sort of making him like you say quite authoritative, which is should makes a nice change because I I can understand why sort of other other people yourself especially can't get behind Leo because he because he's he such can a be stiff- an arrogant prick. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not. It's that, and the fact that he's such a stickler to the rules and stuff, and a bit of a, a killjoy at times. I, yeah, I, but he, he did. He did a good job of making him a more slightly more relatable than he has been in previous incarnations. I think. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nobody on that show's as good as Greg Sipes or Rob Paulson, but them pair are brilliant. I mean, every time Raphael opens his mouth, I'm not thinking, "Ooh, that's Samwise," which mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah, it's funny because I was I was worried about him because of the Samwise voice because I mm. thought your your Sam voice was so flipping like terrible Ludlow or something like just awful, <laughs> not a good accent. But he, yeah, like I I think they do really well normally with casting in the turtles. I don't think there's ever been a voice that I've heard on it that I've gone, well that doesn't suit the character or oh that pulls me out of the story or oh like, you know I mean there's been the odd voice that I've recognised but that's because I'm a bit of a sad um, voice acting fan girl. Oh, I was really happy. Well, I say happy. It was quite a nice little surprise to hear the uh, 
movie Donatello as the voice of Slash. Good old Corey Feldman. Oh, so good. So good. And I think um, Kevin Michael Richardson as the Shredder is just fucking amazing. I could I could talk about voice actors all day, so I'd better like, veer off topic. Yeah, so I'm hoping, I'm hoping... Have you told so anybody that you met Townsend Coleman? Didn't I tell everybody in episode one? <laughs> yeah, I know. I was, I'm, I'm, I... I'm, I'm ever so slightly <laughs> taking the piss. Are you being a tiny bit facetious? <laughs> Just a little bit. It's not really in my nature, but, you know, I thought I'd give it a whirl. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. I am... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I am hoping that with more exposure I'll get used to Seth Green, but I think it's just he's just too Seth Green and he needs to do something else. Is me giving I think it's too advice. late now at this point. Like with the carrot with, with where he's going with Leonardo. But mm. but other than that, let's wrap up this portion yeah. of the episode. We with have the, been talking for thirty minutes, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or just about this uh well I say just about the season uh, season finale. We've been sort of veering off pretty much about anything to do with the Nickelodeon series. But this is true. In summary, it was a great series. The yeah, Turtle Mech was badass. Yeah. Uh, Leonardo was awesome. The yep. Irma reveal was fantastic. Yep. Heading to the farmhouse was awesome. You know, all the comic book beats, just amazing. And then not having to wait for months and months and months to see the season premiere of, 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 of Series 3 was, was awesome as well. So that's also quite nice. <laughs> so that's that's it in a nutshell. Yep, loved it. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so this time around... Oh, are we going backwards through the episode now? Sort of, but this time around... We'd, well, actually, do you know what? That seems appropriate because we're going to do Turtles in Time now. Right. <laughs> Now, this time, I've actually read all four issues. <laughs> yeah, because uh, obviously we recorded, like, what was it, four days ago? The episode that, yeah. uh, that got eaten by the internet somehow. and um, That is floating in the internet. It exists. Just I was going to say, it's n- there. Nobody I just can can't listen to get it. to it or hear it or anything. It's really <laughs> fucking frustrating. Um, I hate computers sometimes. But not right now. I love you right now. Don't do anything strange. Um, yeah, for God's sakes. Yeah, so at the time, you hadn't read episode, episode issue four, had you, which was the last one in the little mini-series of Turtles in Time? No, I had not. However, now I am on the ball, on track. I am able to contribute much better. Not quite as good as yourself, because uh, you've still got your notes, and I still, have, I still haven't. Well, to be fair, though, my notes don't say a fat lot that's useful. No, because if I remember rightly, what were they? Uh, episode three... Uh, issue th- episode four. Bloody Nickelodeon Turtles has, has fried our brains this time. Um, <laughs> issue three was forgettable. Am yeah. I right? Is that what you put? Yeah, I've got. Oh, I see. I've it got- weren't that forgettable because I remembered that. <laughs> for my for my notes, aside from the writers and the artist names that I've written down, my notes say issue one pepperoni. Is- <laughs> That's issue it. Two. Issue two, gut punch. <laughs> <laughs> issue three, fun, bit forgettable. And uh, issue four, awesome. That's it. Very uh, very <laughs> concise and to the point, to yep, be fair. So that, that's those reviewed then. Let's move on. No. <laughs> shall, we, uh, shall, we, shall we, spoilers again, guys, shall we talk a little bit about each issue? Yes, let's. Now then, issue one opens with a nice little bit of text explaining that this miniseries actually takes place after the 2014 annual, am I correct? I believe I am, oh, Yeah, indeed. Yeah, indeed. Which, 
I think actually, I, I think that's quite a nice, fun little conceit, considering that it's um, it's all to do with time travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just quite a funny, cute little bit. Because I think wasn't it? It was actually supposed to be like no, it was uh, it was yeah, it was written by the 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 writer, but it was saying about oh, you know, things go a little bit school with when Renee's around. Uh, Renee, is it Renee? It is Renee. Yeah, Renee, I, I couldn't sure if it was pronounced like that. I think so. Uh, Rennet, Rennet, when <laughs> Rennet, <laughs> Ren, Ren time traveler Rennet. <laughs> There's a, uh, a character called Renee who is a time traveler who I think is taking the place of oh god, what was his name? That um, there's a character from the original Mirage series who had who had the, was in charge of the time scepter and his name was Lord something. And I can't remember his name now because he had like a, an hourglass on top of his head. And he was the one that caused the turtles to have uh, some misadventures of time in the past. And it would seem that, well, Renee this was is... involved then, though, wasn't she? Wasn't she his like apprentice she... or something? I think so. Oh, I can't remember. Cause he he stuck in my head so much because of the the hourglass on his head. It's such a weird <laughs> yeah. character. <laughs> to be fair, that is pretty memorable. But anyway, going back to that, and not the Mirage series. Renee's a a time traveler. She has the time scepter. And has, for reasons unknown, caused the turtles to flip flop through time. Now, this <laughs> should probably flat out state now is never actually explained as to why they're flip flopping through time in the actual miniseries. I think I think the um, the general consensus is Renee fucked up. Oh, <laughs> I think fair that's enough. basically it. I think that's pretty much it. It's just she's just not very good yet. <laughs> oh, fair, well, fair enough. Well, that, that's as good a reason as any. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, episode one ha- is oh god damn it! <laughs> Ish- issue one starts in a rather spectacular manner. Oh, don't it though, Stace? If you'd uh, like to recap, well, it's possibly one of my favourite images in comics <laughs> in a really long time, and it cements to me the exact reason why I choose to read comics because the opening panel in issue one of Turtles in Time is Raphael punching a dinosaur in the face. <laughs> which is possibly one of the greatest it, like who wouldn't want to read that it was a wonderful wonderful image to start the book with I've got to say I yeah I mean as you know I had a few issues not issues as such but I I wasn't overly happy that well no I wasn't, I wasn't even unhappy I, I thought the art style was a little cartoony mm-hmm. however given that the actual story itself was that the first issue was quite a cute fun introduction to what we were about to get into it seems kind of appropriate really because they the turtles don't know why they're stranded in time we don't know why they're stranded in time nothing really makes any sense but there's dinosaurs and utrons running about yep i got it right this time i didn't well call done. them the krang <laughs> well done i keep calling them the krang stupid nickelodeon they look like the bloody krang <laughs> I am. Um, I uh, love this issue, and I had no problems with the art whatsoever. But this is mostly because I am a massive uh, Ross Campbell fan girl. His artwork's um, not bad. His artwork's bloody lovely, but it's just it, it threw me for a bit because I I was always always kind of expect something a little bit more. I don't know, not um realistic, I suppose, because they're down to promorphic turtles. But I don't know. I just yeah. I, I just always expect something a bit more realistic. Whereas it's quite cute and cartoony. It was lovely artwork. Don't get me wrong. It was really nice. 
Well, the thing is, I've been a bit in love with Ross Campbell's art since um, he was doing some of the ongoing title stuff. There was a couple of issues, I can't remember which numbers, that he did the actual interior work for, and he did a few covers as well. Mm. And honestly, the cover to issue 30 of the Turtles is just, oh, it just makes me want to do a little cry. It's so lovely. <laughs> He's so delightful. But I, um, I, I do agree. I think, um, I don't know whether they did this on purpose to sort of deliberately contrast with issue two or whether it's just because I know Ross Campbell's like a massive Turtles fanboy and uh, and I don't know whether they just like to have him involved in things because he he obviously brings a lot of like passion and, and care to the projects. But I get the feeling that, that, that it was purposeful because this first issue is very, like you say, it's very fun. It's, um, it's hmm. a bit silly. You know, we punch dinosaurs in the face. Michelangelo learns to fly a dinosaur. Yeah, there's a there's a little pet called Pepperoni. Who I I want one. Or it, to anybody, you can't any, own a dinosaur. Yes, I can. It doesn't if work like my, that. If any of my crafty buddies are listening and feel like knitting a little pepperoni for me, I can provide you pictures of what pepperoni looks like. Anyway, <laughs> um, but I think I think this was done purposefully to almost like trick you because when issue two came out. I was thinking, oh, it's going to be more like fun turtles romping through time. Nope. <laughs> nope. Not even a bit. I will say quite definitively, and it's like, what's the date today? It's like the 13th of November, so we're pretty close to the end of the year. At the moment, issue two of Turtles in Time is my comic of 2014. I can't, I can't even describe how good it was because it's just so fucking... Uh, it's... Almost the opposite of issue one, <laughs> in the sense that the um the art's very much more mature, the colour palette's a lot more muted. It's very um almost a bit more serious, if that makes any kind of sense. It looks like a the, the artwork kind it almost looks like it could have come from a, a like a Japanese mural, mm-hmm. which, which is makes, fitting. I was going to say, which makes total sense considering they get plopped into sort of a samurai times Japan. <laughs> there you go. I was setting you up. I was giving you a nice little segue. Thanks. I mean, I, I, I'm going to attempt to talk about this with less spoilers this time round because the in the episode that never was, I basically said everything that happened in this issue, and I feel quite felt quite bad about it <laughs> because it is genuinely. It's I don't know how much I want to say. Basically, they come across their previous life human selves, and um things get deep and emotional and the final page like the epilogue page is probably it's sad times it's an emotional gut punch <laughs> that i was not expect after reading the first issue where we're like having a fun romp punching dinos in the face and things like it's just so fucking ah oh, it like to me it like changes uh, <laughs> it kind of changes the whole like the whole way you view the turtles in this universe because it's such a like life-changing thing but they don't know about it only we as a reader do and that's what makes it even worse because now i'm just like i've got this bit of knowledge and you guys don't know and it's really sad and oh my god oh, i just got a bit emotional i read that book four times that's because eric burnham brings the heavy that boy that boy can write a comic he needs a hug, he does. He needs to come to Thought Bubble at one year because it's the only convention I ever go to. So that's the one I try and encourage everybody else to go to. He needs to come to Thought Bubble so I can jump on him for a massive bear hug because holy 
shit. The um the only thing that I wasn't keen on in this issue, but it's actually from earlier issues anyway, so it's it's not really this issue's fault. I don't get how Michelangelo's the only one that speaks Japanese. Um yeah, I, as I said last time, I don't know. It's it's curious because he never struck me as the type to have the patience to learn a different yeah. language. I think there's that, and I also think that it feels like something Leonardo would want to do. Like you know, because he's so he's very much into like the you know Bushido and the Code of Honor and all that sort of stuff. You would mm. think he would want to sort of like learn where that comes from and be more into that culture and things. And it seems to me like he should know it as well, or instead of. Like, I don't know, that's a really weird thing to say. So I think I don't think Raph's got the patience at all. No. And I think Donatello's definitely got the patience and the intellect, but he's too busy, like, trying to build teleportation devices and things. <laughs> it seems that it just, it always strikes me as odd every time it crops up that, that Michelangelo's the one who can speak Japanese. It just seems really strange. I don't know. It's just me. I don't know. I suppose it was, I don't know. I suppose it was just a nice little thing that they wanted to, to give Mikey, like, throw him a bone. And that, <laughs> I know, isn't that harsh? I feel really harsh saying that, but that's kind. it almost kind of feels like that. Oh, it shouldn't, though, because Mikey's wonderful. I know that, but that's not the point. Oh, by the way, okay. I found out the name of that character. It was really bugging me. Lord Simultaneous. Oh, you're shitting me. That's not a name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's his name. And it wasn't an hourglass that he had on his head, but he did have this weird thing. He looks... He's, he wears a headpiece that makes him look a little bit like Galactus, but in white robes. But yeah, that's that's the character's name, Lord Simultaneous. So there I you go. It. I love it. Mentor he, of went mentor of Renee, yeah, and Savant Savanti Romero. No, you're right. <laughs> um, do you have any thoughts on issue two? Because I realise I've just been rambling about how much I thought it was the fucking best thing since sliced comics. I'll be honest with you, Stace. I don't think there's anything that I could possibly add. Um, everybody, please go to Geek Syndicate and check out Stace's rather sterling review of issue two of Turtles in Time because this girl rather enjoyed this <laughs> this issue. There's yeah, just the, no words that I could use to describe it would really uh, would be as good as what as what you've said, but. You, you're right, it is an emotional gut punch, but it was a good book. It was a great read, and it looked nice, and it, it flowed well. Do you know, the only, I'll tell you what I will add. I liked the strange swap, if you will, of uh, Leonardo being kind of hot-headed mm-hmm. and Raphael being more level-headed and thoughtful with regards to an act that they were going to do. Mm-hmm. I Once again, trying to keep that spoiler-free as best I can. The blank <laughs> with the blank, with Leonardo's blank in the blank, blank. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, it's, it was an interesting choice, but it totally worked. Like, like you say, Eric Burnham can just, he, he just, he knows how to write a really good comic, and he mm. wrote that in such a way that you could believe that that's what Leo would do, and that that's how Raph would react to what Leo wanted to do. And it wasn't, it didn't seem out of character even slightly. Like, he just wrote it that well. Well, no, because it, it strikes me as he, he feels like he's home. So it's the one place that he would actually sort of drop his guard, not be quite, not be as guarded as usual, mm-hmm. and lose his cool in the way that he did, which is, yeah. is brilliant. I mean, uh, Eric Burnham's probably one of the, he's, he's the only writer that's ever written a, 
a Ghostbusters comic that's managed to capture the voices of the characters as I've always seen them in the films. So it, it only stands to reason that he could do exactly the same with the Turtles. So it'd be nice to see him write some more of that, uh, the, some more Turtles, I've got to say, but who knows what the future holds. Yeah, fingers crossed, though. Well, I, w- I want more Burnham in, en- in everything. Well, he wrote issue three as well, though, you know. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, but more. I said more, not just one. <laughs> no, I know. But, uh, okay, we'll stop talking about two now because I don't want to spoil it and I, I am going to end up spoiling it if I keep rambling. Um, I'll do number three. Pirates. Okay. Pirates in it. <laughs> That's about it. Core cool, pirates. Pirates. Uh, Kraken. A spy, spot, yeah, the, the Kraken. There's a rival group of pirate no because they're not even really pirates that they end up with no they are but they're good pirates they're pirates with morals <laughs> um so they they meet some part they, they end up on the ship uh, yeah they, they just once again just appear uh, disappear reappear this time in full samurai garb on a pirate ship there's a rival group of pirates who are called the kraken who have a logo that looks strangely like an utron Ooh. <laughs> so I couldn't really figure out if they were Utrons or anything to do with Krang or anything like that. It was a bit of a, a weird red herring. And actually, I'm going to have to say, this was this was Eric Burnham again. But this one, wasn't it wasn't boring, but it was, like you said, it was a touch forgettable. Mm, I think, um, I don't know whether the... I get the feeling that this miniseries, because of the fact that they knew it was going to get tied up in the annual, because miniseries mm. are normally either four issues or six issues. Yeah. This one was technically five because of the sort of final part being in the annual. Well, six so if I, you think about the size of the annual. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because I get the feeling that they, they sort of, they put issue one as like a fun starter to give you the idea like, oh, the turtles are flip-flopping mm. around. <laughs> and then issue two was the the one where they establish we're messing here. This isn't a fucking game. Like holy shit! And then I feel like issue four was another holy shit moment, which we'll get to in a bit. So I feel like issue three was like they felt like they needed to like tone it down a bit because issue two was so fucking heart wrenching. But they didn't want to turn it down too much because we were really getting into the swing of the story now, and it wasn't like issue one where we were just introducing us to the idea of plopping in the prehistoric times and whatever. That's like it. There's... it needed to be something else. Like, I think the problem with this issue for you, <laughs> I'm just going to put words in your mouth, is probably that you're not up to date with the ongoing comics. You say you're putting words in my mouth. You've heard these words before <laughs> on Sunday yeah. night, so you're not this really you're not put you're extracting them from the sound this file that we can't extract. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the thing is, I mean to be fair, because I forgot the issue. Uh, I didn't realise this when we were talking on Sunday, but I went and, and looked at it again uh, after we were talking. And there is a lot to do with the uh, the Utrons and a lot to do with uh, the ongoing plot between Shredder and Krang. And like issue three ties in a lot to that. But that's kind of all it's really there for, if that makes any sense. So the actual story about the, the pirates and the turtles is kind of like... Secondary. Yeah, and it's a bit like eh. I did get that. I did get that feeling because I say, obviously, I didn't know what was going on. But I, I, reading through it, like, oh, it's all yeah, fair enough. Well, this Kraken's obviously kind of like the Krang. Maybe he's a forebearer or something. I don't know. And I was kind of thinking, like, is there something in the ongoing series about this, like, 
predecessor to the Krang, because obviously the Kraken has like a almost like a future boat. Um, a future boat. Um, <laughs> fucking future boat. The thing is, the thing is, I totally agreed with you. Like, yep, that makes sense. Well, it does, doesn't it? Because it's not really like a like a. It, it's kind of oddly jet powered, but it looks like it. It looks like it would be a ship from the future as well. It doesn't look like a wooden. It's not a wooden pirate ship. I swear it was made of metal, if I remember rightly. Yeah, I think it was. But when the Kraken I think it was was it the Kraken or was he just like an avatar of the Kraken or something was he like a right hand man or a helper or something yeah I, th- I think he was just uh, yeah see I got the feeling because that now I am going to say spoiler alert here because, but this one's not really it's not like issue 2 or 4 where they've got some good emotional bits this was just a bit of a sort of yeah yeah come on let's just get to let's get to 4 go on go and buy the annual <laughs> sort of sort of issue but there's a uh, a character in it who sort of represents the Kraken and his face is all bandaged and the bandages come loose towards the end and you see his face is a bit scarred and I was kind of getting the impression that potentially this was like a another reincarnation of the Shredder but I couldn't yeah. figure out whether it was because it's nothing nothing was explicitly stated it was all kind of like ooh, uh, ooh. And then of course there's that end scene with that island that's shaped like a skull with, where they blow up the boat and there's their well, mutagen canisters and it's sort of like pulling out slowly because the artwork sort of pulls out slowly almost like a camera zoom it's like, like there was sort of like a I felt like I had someone nudging me in the, in the shoulders going hey hey look, look it's that and I'm kind of sat there going what the fuck is it? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't got a clue. Well, in the um, in the ongoing series, Burno Island is where uh, Burnham Island. Burno, Burno. Not Burnham. Pronounce it. No. N O W Burno, Burno. Don't know. Um, is where uh, Krang and his Krangy buddies, Utron buddies, don't know. Uh, I'm losing all sense of what's right and what's wrong. Help me. Um, it's it's where they're based and where they're running their operations from. And um, I don't know how much of the ongoing series you've read, but they hired uh, Baxter Stockman to do like tests and stuff with the mutagen and things, and that's how that whole thing is occurring. So whilst the whilst issue three does have a lot, like it does sort of tie everything in, and um, I think it was only at issue three that I realised that all of the issues were like. There was a reason the turtles were ending up in those times. Pardon me. Um, and it wasn't just because Renee was shit. Like, they were ending up at places where Utron mm. were or where they were or all of this palaver. So I was like, oh, I finally get it now. It's like, they're not, it's not random. It's not, they're not just hopping around like, oh, poof, prehistoric age, poof, on the sea for some reason. Like, it made sense. But it, it just, I don't even re- really remember what happened. I think Michelangelo became a captain for a bit. Yeah, that that was it. There was like a montage of them sort Even of training. Like he has a montage. Montage. That's it. That's what I was thinking when I was reading that bit. I was like, <laughs> oh, it's a montage, a comics montage, which are even more tragic because they're not accompanied by music. Yeah, I love a good montage song. Uh, then there's a fight, and then they disappear again. Then it's that burn Eric Burnham's island. <laughs> and that's it and and I was, I was a little bit I didn't hate it I was a little underwhelmed by issue 3 but uh, as I said last time that's where I stopped reading before we recorded purely because I was getting the impression oh shit I'm sort of 
spoiling the ongoing series for me because I've not caught up with it. However, because of your sterling review for me last time of issue four, I have actually read it. I am now up to date and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, good. Because if you were going to say that you didn't like it, I was going to travel all the way over to wherever the fuck you are and punch you in the bollocks. Donatello <laughs> didn't age very well, though, did he, eh? No, he died, but all his brothers did a dead, so, you know, mm. spoilers, guys. Wow. <laughs> that was a hefty one. That was a hefty spoiler drop. I am going to spoil this issue anyway, but I, I, I will say that this issue is probably, like, only marginally behind issue two in my favourite issues of anything of 2014. It's a so, second favourite issue of 2014. Yeah, so it's like the turtles are repping pretty high in my uh, in my list at the moment. I mean, there's still a month left for someone else to wow me, but no, it's not happening right now. So this one was written by the same guy who wrote the first issue, and I don't think you could have got two more different issues, really, if you tried. <laughs> so the first one was all like fun romping around with dinosaurs and stuff. And uh, and this one was like grim future in which, you know, horrible things are happening to people and everybody's really sad and there has to be a resistance and three of the four turtles are dead. And, oh, my God, it's just grim. Do you know what? I've just had a thought, you know. I think we'd have probably been a bit more forgiving of issue three because if you think about it, Burnham wrote a very heavy issue and then quite a light issue. But he did it the other way around. Oh, so perhaps yeah. if if they'd have swapped it around, we wouldn't have it. It wouldn't be such a. It would We wouldn't be quite so critical of it, because <laughs> like you say, if <laughs> I wager, if issue four had come first and then issue one had been straight after it, it would have been like, well, the artwork was nice, but really after like yeah. after issue four. Can you imagine though if they swapped two and three around the absolute emotional like roller coaster fucking wreck I would have been after reading? <laughs> oh God, you wouldn't get out of bed. It's <laughs> bad enough that you're ill. In a row. Fucking hell. Say, it's, so, it's bad enough that you're ill. You'd just be like, oh, what's the point? <laughs> I'm not getting out of bed. <laughs> I really wouldn't. Um, I am going to spoil this one to bugger because it's just so good. It's a very, very Donny centric. Um, issue i'm intrigued to see what you think because like obviously as a massive donny fangirl i was just all over this issue like white on rice well i tell um, you before because you again you've, you've reminded me of another point issue one was quite raf centric when you think about it issue two fairly leo focused and issue three was i wouldn't say so much michelangelo focused but he was kind of the one that was sort of thrust into the limelight they made him captain you know his his anti-bullying beliefs were sort of there in the you know front and center. So it seems that each issue so far is focused on each one. So it's only fair that Donny got the spotlight. And yeah, it was it was a it was a cracking issue. It really was. I'm so glad that you liked it. I um I mean to be fair, I probably should have reread this because I read it a while ago. Uh, well, I say a while ago, it only finished a couple of months ago. But I'm, I'm stupid and I forget to I forget things very quickly. But I think the um, oh, future Donny man, I kind of love him. It's kind of a wuss. He's not a wuss. He is the pussweed. He's a survivor. Like, <laughs> ah, run away. Puss. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't want to do a dead. <laughs> How is he going to fight the good fight if he does a dead eye? Um, he wasn't fighting any kind of fucking fight. He just ran off. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, yeah. Hey, I'm knocking future Donnie. I'm not knocking, like, you know, 
your boyfriend Donny, young Donny, virile Donny, <laughs> and his massive yeah, turtle wang. This is the most embarrassing <laughs> thing I'm ever going to admit to on a podcast, but when I was younger, I genuinely like fancied Donatello. And I can't get my head around it now, because I'm like, what was wrong with me that I thought it was okay to want a bone a turtle? Oh, God, you were Irma when you were young, when you were a young girl. <laughs> So fucking hot. Oh no. Well, that's depressing. Potentially sorted me a costume for my birthday next year, then. No. Um, <laughs> holy crap. Oh, as a, um, a little segue, something that I, uh, I, I put in, I popped in, I'll, I'll do this really quickly. I said this last, uh, last time we recorded. A, a big thanks to the wonderful Paul Richardson, who on the basis of last episode has started constructing me a Casey Jones mask for your birthday party. I know this isn't fresh news for you, but I felt it only fair that he got a a, a thank you and another plug. Indeed. In this episode, because I've seen, I've already seen like the the, the startings of it, and it looks amazeballs. It does look pretty tits, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Now I need to like try and get in shape so I can look like Elias Coteus. But sorry, my apologies. <laughs> I didn't mean to hijack that. I just wanted to. Uh, That's all right. I'll let you off because we've got to give credit where it's due. And to be fair, that mask does look pretty. Well, if it looks as good as your shredder armor, I'm in for it. I'm going to look awesome. I need to like. I know it's a whole like ten months away or some bollocks, but I need to get my thinking cap on costume wise. So I want to like wear everybody. It goes the shredder again. <laughs> Well, I said to Rich, I really shouldn't have gone as the Shredder this year because, pardon me, there aren't that many female characters in the uh, Turtles universe that look any good, if that makes any sort of sense. Mm. It's like April just wears either a banana yellow jumpsuit or regular actual clothes. And (laughs) Irma's a mess. Nobody wants to get could be Karai. Yeah, but she just wears all black. Yeah, easy. She's a ninja. Well, yeah, it's easy. Carry a sword. Like... Cool, look at this costume. Ah, yeah, but if you go from the one from the CGI movie, you can get that boss mask that she wears that's like silver and red. Yeah, I suppose. Or there's a, there was like a female ninja in the eighty in the 80s cartoon. I can't remember her name. I'm trying to think now. There's, 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 uh, well, I mean, the, the good thing is, if Rich is took for a costume, he can go as the Shredder. I know what he wants to go as, but I don't want to say in case he decides against it. All right. Okay, well... I'll tell you t- t- yeah, tell me, tell me later. I'll, I want to know now because I'm a nosy, I'm a nosy fucker, as you well know. <laughs> I, anyway, I, back back to issues. <laughs> the, the reason that we're uh, <laughs> we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So the the issue basically centres around the turtles get dumped into um. I want to say Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah some it's, point it is in the future. It is New York because somebody because. In uh, one point, they refer to it as Manhattan, and somebody says nobody's refer nobody's called it that in years and that's when everybody kicks off yes you're right see this is going to be much fresher in your head so Mm -hmm. it's probably going to be better if you do the little recap and then I'll just chip in with shit that I think (laughs) basically once again the turtles just bloop because I'm pretty sure that was the sound effect like the the sound bubble was like bloop or something stupid like some daft like that Uh, like they bloop into a new time zone Weapons drawn, ready to fight, because that's pretty much what they've experienced every time before. To their great surprise, nobody attacks them, nobody's phased by them, nobody really gives a shit. So they decide to go for something to eat and find out that pretty much everybody's a ninja, everybody's a mutant, except for like 
maybe a few humans. It's never really explicitly stated, but it looks like most, nearly everyone's a mutant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because they are opposing the Shredder's beliefs, they get chased underground into the sewer where they meet old Donny, who has kind of given up. I know, sad times. I can hear you sniffling. He's sad. Do you know what it was? Emotional. It was the the masks that were hanging up on the wall. That was sad. It was really sad to see him without his mask because he didn't feel like he deserved it almost. Oh, no, it's really bad. Sorry, Karen. No, well, basically, they meet old Donnie. He kind of recaps what's happened, uh, how they basically lost, and I think Shredder controls all of America and South America and Canada, and the Utrams control pretty much everywhere else. At least that's what I took away from that map anyway. Did you see it? It's like a, there's a foot drawn on all of America mm. and South America, and then there's a giant Utrom like crack, like must be Krang drawn on, on the other side. And you're thinking, wow, the, the odds are impossible. There's no way they can fight back. You can't really blame Donnie for like sort of giving up. Yeah, giving up. Cause like, well, what's the point? They, but young Donatello basically calls him a complete puss for it. <laughs> He does. And they go to try and save some resistance fighters from a public execution, if I remember. Mm-hmm. Eventually convincing old Donnie to come and help, and he beats the crap out of everybody. With help it from was, young young turtles as well. It was so good. So good. I, I'm not usually good with uh, timey-wimey time travel stories and stuff, because I... I've, since I've started watching Doctor Who, I've basically had to stop thinking about time travel at all because I would either get massively confused or it doesn't make any sense because of paradoxes and blah 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 Like, if you look too far into this, because basically, like, old Donnie's final message before they all bloop back into their own time is go back and fucking sort this shit out before all of this happens. Which, obviously, if they do that, then old future Donnie never exists. And if that never happened, then they never met him and he would never have told him to blah, 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 blah. But forgetting all of that, because comics... And, you know, time travel not actually being time a thing. Time travel not being, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not a thing. I thought this this issue was, like, a really good... It was a really solid time travel story in the sense that, you know, we had a a, a a big bad to be scared of and we we were seeing future events that could potentially be changed and they were proper group. Why is the future never nice? The future is never nice. You ever notice that? There's always, there's always something off, something a little bit shitty about it. Mm. No matter what, it's, there's always something that sucks about the future in films. If it's not yeah, like, it's... you know, robots enslaving the world it's you know dystopian orwellian futures where like there's some awful overlord who's taking control taking control it's yeah the future's gonna suck why bother yeah. we'll just kill ourselves now um is that a bit much was that a bit I dark a, a little bit yeah i think i think i'm gonna like not kill myself that's all right by you oh fair enough i wasn't gonna make you nothing but all right <laughs> If you're not on board with my plan, whatever. The thing that I really liked about this issue as well was the fact that it, um, I mean, again, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to spoil it for you, but, Mm. like, in terms of having an effect on the ongoing series, like, there's massive ripples. Massive, massive ripples. Because, obviously, when they get back to their own time after 
after the annual and they actually sort out what Renee wanted them to sort out in the first place, but she fucked up. Um, when they get back into their own time, like Donnie is very focused on we've got to stop, we've got to find the Technodrome, we've got to fucking stop the Krang doing all their shears and all the Utrom's doing all their shears. Like we've got, we've got to sort that out. Uh, that's our main priority. Whereas Splinter and the, the rest of the Turtles are very focused on no, like we've always been about stopping the Shredder. We can sort the Technodrome out afterwards, but we've really got to stop the Shredder. And it becomes like a really big source of contention with the group. Do you know what? How stupid are the other turtles? Do you know, like, I can't, you know, it, it sounds... Do you know what would sort the shredder out? A gun. <laughs> yeah. These are these, these, these the, 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 the Utroms are like dimension-hopping otherworldly beings with advanced technology. And the only ones with, like, the know-how and the ability to even comprehend that they exist and to fight back against them are the turtles. And yet they're like, oh, no, we better go get the shredder. Mm. Fuck the shredder, man. <laughs> well, the, the thing that gets me is, like, I can understand why Splinter wants to punch Shredder in the face because, you know, Shredder, he's a bit of a bastard. But like, Yeah, but he could wait. That's the daft thing. It's like, yeah, he, he's the it, one that's not really, like, what? Well, oh, oh, the Shredder's going to be the one that ruins the future. Fuck off. Like, the only... He's, it's clear that the only reason he's in charge is because of the Utrons. He's in cahoots with the Utrons. Yeah, because yeah, of Krang. Exactly. Like, it's... Oh, God. Wow. And all the future weapons he's getting. I'm so glad you're saying that, because I thought I was just being on Donatello's side because I'm such a Donny... No, no, I, I agree with that one. They're, they're being a That's bunch good. of... Um, pumplexes. Because <laughs> you would think, if you... You know, in, in the grand scheme of things, little family spat... I mean, okay, all right, maybe it's not so little... But, like, family-based spat versus potential end of the world. I'm slightly more bothered by the fact that there's literally nobody sided with him. Yeah, I find it really strange. Like They've all seen the... Well, you know, all four of the turtles have seen the future. And do you know what's ridiculous about it is the other three know that there is a future in which if they don't stop the Technodrome, they will die. Mm. They know I mean, they will die. To be fair, he never really explicitly states what causes the future. So in their head, they're probably... Th- but a logical line of thought is, well, what is the Shredder? He's not really anything. The, the, the only real threat is that, you know, if he walks up behind you real silent, he'll stab you. But, like, <laughs> I say, a gun to the head would sort him out. That's not honourable, though. We can't shoot him. He's got to be, like, done in battle, proper style. But still... Yeah, with a, bat- with a gun. Gun battle. He... <laughs> He has not. He has not got the power behind him to take over the world without the Utrons. Therefore, sort them out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh it, no. But anyway, we're, we're discussing something we have no control of. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not unrealistic that like four people wouldn't completely disagree on things, <laughs> and like three of them would side against one, or you know, in, in any ratio. Like, I'm not knocking the writer's choice with that. That that's fine. It's it's a good idea, but. It kind of pisses me off the stupidity of of the turtles' character. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. We're arguing, we're sort of discussing how <laughs> how daft they are, and that they're written by somebody. They're you know, it's, it's, mm. you know, he, he's the one who has complete. We should be. T- we, let's have it's Tom Waltz in it. Let's have words with him. <laughs> I would love to have words with Tom Waltz. I think no, just think to tell him off. <laughs> well, all right, but oi, no, to be oi, fair, though, Waltzy, to be fair. pack it in. <laughs> to be fair, I am quite excited to see where it goes because um, I think I've I've got an issue to read now actually. But um, I like when the turtles are at odds with one another, if that mm. makes any sort of sense, because it 
<coughs> oh fuck this cough, man. <coughs> is it a is it a foo cough? <coughs> what does that mean? Say it quickly. Oh, ha ha ha! Well done. Thank you. <laughs> well done. Um, <coughs> I can't remember what I was saying. I cough so hard. <laughs> What a terrible cop. Um, what was I saying? No, I like it when they're 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 not all one hundred percent agreeing with things because I think it makes for more interesting comics. Mm. Um, but yeah, I do agree. I think it's weird that Donnie's the only one who thinks it's a good idea to to fixate on the Utrams and that. But I, I don't really. I'm just excited to see where it goes because it's. I don't think there's been a duff issue of the turtles since IDW started their run. See, I can't. I mean. I'm not going to say I take your word for that. I'm quite happy to have you as a barometer of taste for the turtles. Because obviously I'm not far enough in that I could actually say, yeah, I totally agree with that, because that'd be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think um, I, d- I genuinely can't think of an issue that I haven't enjoyed, so that's pretty good going, to be fair, because they're at, like, what, issue 40 or something now, nearly? And they've had loads of little mini-series and... Micro series and one shots yeah. and stuff, yeah. Oh, it's badass. But anyway, we're going off topic. So, Turtles in Time overall, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs wafting in the middle. Um, for now, I'm going to give it a thumbs up, but I still need to read the annual to get the actual full story. But other than that, I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It, it felt a little bit over too quickly but like you said that's probably because I've not read the annual so I've not got the full extent of the story behind it but yeah I enjoyed it I'm pretty sure it was a big thumbs up for you oh like wholeheartedly all of my thumbs up because <laughs> um, even though issue 3 was a bit pet like 2 and 4 were so like kick you in the crotch fantastic mm. that um, like <laughs> issues 1 and 3 could have been blank and I'd have still loved the series overall <laughs> Well, even issue one was really, really fun. Like that was worth a good read. I know it wasn't like an as emotional or sort of story driven as as two and four, but it was a great, it was a good fun issue. And as oh. and as I say, I didn't dislike the artwork. I I did. I really enjoyed it. It was lovely. It just it was so jarring that that was how it started. Like a, you know, the turtles miniseries for me was like that because I was thinking like, oh, I, I I like this, but I hope it's not all like this. I mean, it was nice to get different arts. Was it? Yeah, it was different artists for each one, wasn't it? Um, or was three and three and four had the same goal? Really? Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Dan Duncan. That's that's a shame because they should have gone with a different art style just to you know some sort of, sort of something that reflects like the like a sort of futuristic kind of style almost. I don't know who I don't know who draws in a futuristic way. <laughs> Pixar maybe computers. They're the future, aren't they? <laughs> That sort of thing. You do sound like a dad. Oh, I. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bless you. I'll tell you what, you know what? You know, last year, and I really wish I'd done it for Christmas, I was going to get my little ones all of the the turtle stuff, like get the, you know, the giant, huge new sewer layer that they do for the the Nickelodeon turtles and all four of the turtles, get the shredder, get the the shell razor and all this, that, the other. And then I realised they love the turtles. That's a lot of money for something they're going to play with twice and then never touch again. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i could genuinely like waste all of my wages on turtles toys I <laughs> I, oh i'd love to buy it just for me but i've got nowhere to put it <laughs> and if they're if they're not going to play with it it looks a bit odd <laughs> Nah, it doesn't i've got turtles toys all over my ass <laughs> no they're collectible stays yes <laughs> and I, I definitely don't that's the excuse we stand by Hey, so we're rolling on for an hour and 20 minutes and I'm thinking 
yeah, we should probably talk about something else and then piss off before my throat falls out. <laughs> That's a very good idea. Shall we very quickly recap the first issue of uh, the TMNT Ghostbusters crossover? Let's... Again, seeing as it's not exactly new ground that we're treading here. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure we can be pretty quick about this. Oh, I don't know. I think I managed to stretch it out a bit longer than that, but that's because I hadn't read issue four of the Turtles in Time series last time. So let's make it quick and concise. It kicks off back in the past with some ancient immortal Turtles villains that I'm not aware of because I'm not up to date with the IDW series, but Stace will almost definitely know, interacting with the Krang in the past. Is it? No, not the Krang, with Krang in the past. God damn it. This again. <laughs> uh, one immortal winds up in a, dim- in a dimensional rift and disappears. So we don't know what's going to happen to him, except we do. It's It was kind of obvious from the get-go that he was going to wind up <laughs> as a ghost. You know, but anyway. <clears throat> then we skip ahead to the future, as we so often do in these stories, to see the Ghostbusters, uh, the Ghostbusters, the Turtles, faffing about with a doohickey that I don't know what it did except something to do with dimensions because, once again, I'm not up to date with the IDW series. So up to date. for the first half of this, I was incredibly confused. <laughs> Essentially, long story short, Donnie has been working on some partially pilfered, partially uh, given to him technology that uh, basically it's a transport device. Like a, a like the transmat. Yeah, well, I was going to say like a Stargate, but not because it kind of looks a bit like the Stargate, but it's not because they don't travel through like... It's not made of stone. Well, that, and it's I don't think they can travel to like other dimensions. I think it's just Earth-based, but I don't know actually because... Well, they do travel they... to another dimension. You mean oh, yeah, other pla- You mean other planets? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. I, d- I don't expect you could plot to Mars and stuff mm. and be like, right, I'll see you on Mars in a few guys. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be helpful though, wouldn't it? Well, I don't know, would it? He wants to go to Mars. Anyway, uh, getting off topic. Ar- yeah, Arnie wanted to go to Mars. I love Total Recall. Um, he's, Donnie's been working on this because he thinks it's the best way to sort of launch an attack against the Utrons and to find out where the Technodrome is and plant themselves there. Right. There oh, oh, well, oh, well, that's good then. Sir. But unfortunately, it all goes a bit tits up because yep. apparently the scientist who helping him, who's helping him is a moron and... <laughs> hits a switch that he shouldn't do because he was batting at a fly and it was <laughs> that that actually I'll be honest I didn't say this last time because I only just remembered it that kind of annoyed me because it was a bit stupid do you know I kind of loved it because <laughs> I thought it was teasing the idea I, I reckon everybody thought that was going to be a scene where someone was going to turn partially into a fly like Baxter Stockman style I'm glad nobody did that sounds awful leave that to Jeff Goldblum <laughs> oh, I love all fly-based Baxter Stockman. Yeah, Baxter yeah, Stockman, sure. but I don't want to see like April Casey or any of the turtles turn into a fly. I want to see oh, Baxter no. Stockman turn into a fly. No, definitely not. But I thought that was like a cheeky wink. Like mm. They were like lulling you in to think this is what was going to happen, but actually what ended up happening is... Oh, like the, actually, like the scientist might have become the... Yeah, the like fly. Somehow, uh, you right. know, flies and electricity and transportation devices. All right, all right, <laughs> fair enough. I'll give you that. But, unfortunately, his dipshittery causes the turtles to... Well, they're trying to teleport to the lair, which they do for, like, two seconds. <laughs> and then they wind up in New York City, 
but not their New York City. No, no, no. The very different, well, not very different, the slightly different parallel, <laughs> upside down, topsy-turvy, dogs and cats living together, uh, New York City of the Ghostbusters uh, in the middle of a wedding, strangely. Because uh, their lair is a church, which I also was not aware of because I'm not reading oh, gosh, the yeah. IDW series. <laughs> I was kind of thinking, like, this sewer looks really clean. And then also, oh, what, why the fuck are they in a church? So that was a bit oh, different. Oh, you so much. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. Do you know what? These next couple of weeks, I'm just going to binge read every single episode so I can go yeah, like, ah, I, I know where I'm up to. I know what's going on now, Stace. <laughs> I understand things. <laughs> yeah, but then I'll get to you. I'll be just as bad as you, and I'll be like, oh, um, it's the Krang. No, it's it's not, Duncan. It's, it's the Utron. Ah, oh, shit. But oh, as the turtles enter the Ghostbusters dimension, the uh, missing immortal comes through as well as a ghost because he was neither alive nor dead uh, in this weird dimensional portal that he got shoved through. So now he's a all-powerful ghost. So the turtles can't kick his ass, but lo and behold, the Ghostbusters arrive on the scene just in time. Da 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 da. Who are you going to call and all that jazz? All that jazz. I really liked this issue. I I did, despite being sort of in the dark for about half of it. Yeah, I was just going to say I probably enjoyed it a lot more than you because I knew what was occurring. Although that being said, I was a bit lax on the Ghostbusters stuff because whilst I have been reading the Ghostbusters ongoing, I kind of fell off it a bit when they introduced the new Ghostbusters mm. um, a few months ago, and I've just sort of like casually skimmed through since then, and that like I've not been like really paying as much attention as possibly I should have done. So I didn't quite know why the original Ghostbusters were like back and stuff. So I was a bit like, eh? Um, I was exactly the same. I, I, I've sort of fallen off with that. It's not because I didn't like it, just because I was like, oh, I don't really care. I know the Ghostbusters will be coming back. Just like the whole Spider-Man being replaced by Doc Ock sort of thing. It's like, I know he's, I know he's coming back. I don't care. I just, I did, I couldn't be bothered. So it was like, say so it was a bit jarring, but you know, it was nice to have Eric Burnham on board for that half of the issue to get the Ghostbusters characters right. And I think was it. It was Tom Waltz did the first. Did he do the first half, or was it all? Was it all Eric Burnham? I can't remember. You know now. I think I think they shared duties, but I don't know if it was like evenly split or whether it was hmm. the pair of them worked on the whole thing. I don't really know. Because I know, obviously, I mean, one of the things that I was raving about last time that I really enjoyed was the different art styles. Mm-hmm. So I think the first, like, like the prologue, is. Uh, on, let me get it up here now. Um, there were three artists on it, wasn't there? there yeah, was that. The, the, yeah. The um, prologue Charles, is yeah, Charles. Like, so Charles Paul Wilson. That's yeah. it. He was he was the guy actually who did issue two of the Turtles in Time, who I was in love with and didn't mention his name before, and I probably should have. Seen. Well, again, it's set in feudal, feudal Japan, so it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense because his artwork is quite lovely. Uh, yeah. Corey Smith was then pages six to nine. I love him as well. And my personal favourite, Dan Shoning. Sure. We're having the same problem as sure. as, as last time, uh, <laughs> not knowing if it's being pronounced right. But he's 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 done about half the issue actually with uh, ten pages ten through twenty two. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I love his artwork anyway. I, I really enjoyed how as they came through the 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 dimensional rift, if you like, that it changed to his artwork style. 
as, as how yeah. the turtles are drawn. I thought it was really lovely. I wholeheartedly concur because I was slightly concerned that they were going to keep the turtles drawn the way that they were in their book, which would look really jarring against because um, Dan Schoen, uh, his style is Stop quite... it. On the off chance that he might listen to this, I would like at some point to be able to talk to him. <laughs> Because his artwork's beautiful. To this. It really is. But it's quite stylized. Like, everybody has very... Like, nobody looks the same. And everybody has, like, quite exaggerated features. And st- I'm not selling this to all that. I'm really sorry. See, I really like really that. Good. I like that about his artwork. That, you know... Especially, like, more so with the main characters. Because there, there are a couple of, like... I've just noticed... Um, I've just seen, like... Uh, what's her name? Kylie Griffin and... Janine Melnitz side by side and he kind of draws female lips somewhat similar mm. but you're right his characters are like the, the four main Ghostbusters they all look different I mean Janine and Kylie look different you know they are oh, oh no actually oh I don't know I'm going to have to send you a, I'm going to have to send you this over say. here actually because they both look like facially they look a little the facial shapes looks a bit similar it's as if he's just drawn different hair on the same facial shape <laughs> Oh, dear. But oh, oh but no, no, well, nit, nitpicking aside, uh, his artwork is lovely. I've got to say, I do really. I could honestly, it's like it's like candy to my eyes. I could just look at his drawings. Um, I mean, part of the reason that I sort of stopped reading the Ghostbusters is because Rich told me that he stopped drawing it for a while, didn't he? He wasn't the main artist. Yeah, I think so. Which kind of put me off because I was like, oh, I don't really want to see anybody but him drawing the Ghostbusters. And now I kind of don't want to see anybody draw the turtles but him either. Oh, uh, no, see, I can still get fully behind lots of other people drawing the turtles. But I, I was Oh, I'm not I, saying I, other people are bad. I just love Dan Shoning. I love his artwork. No, he's... His artwork is wonderful, and that's that's why I was glad that the turtles did change when they were because like, mm. it would have been so jarring to have like different style turtles with Shonen style of everything else. Like it just would have been a bit weird. It'd be nice. So quite... It's obviously it'd be nice to see the Ghostbusters when they go over because that it's going to oh, yeah. happen. You know it will do. It always does in these sort of stories. I was going to say it's kind of inevitable, really, yeah. isn't it? But yeah, I'd be interested to see. Um, because I don't know, like, are these are these the people drawing this miniseries or? I'm I'm not sure. I I mean I don't have any, like I don't actually have any information about this sadly, other than like what's in the front of the issue, obviously, which is, you know, um, that it is like you like you said you were right. It's Eric Burnham and Tom Waltz sharing writing duties, and then obviously all the people I just listed on the art. I mean I could list like the people who did the colours and the letters if you want. <laughs> I'm not going to. That's alright. Right. Oh, but that doesn't that bad for colorists. I was going to say, doesn't that feel bad actually? Do you know what? I'm going to list them quickly. Luis Antonio Delgado is one of the colorists. Rhonda Patterson is another one. The guy who does the lettering is Neil Utaki, I think. Or oh god, I hope I'm. Yeah, thank God he's not going to be here in this podcast because uh, I think I've just butchered his name. And it's edits by Bobby Kerr now. So there we go. Everyone should get their due. It's only fair. Hey, fair play. I, if I, do you know what? I am the Mr. Terrific of podcasts. Fair play all the way. I was just wondering, actually, you saying that, whether Burno Island is actually named after Bobby Kerner. Anyway, I, I just mm, thought I was just in my head. That's, like... Irrelevant no, to everything. No, I don't <laughs> think it is, like, at all. Not even a little bit. 
Oh, wait. <laughs> so, I'm, so, I'm sorry, but that's... It's, so. it's the exact same fucking word, except they've swapped the C for the B. Calm down. Well, I think it might it have come be. from Eric Burnham, and they've just sort of changed it a little bit, if we're going to be daft. Oh, it's closer to Kerno than it is Burnham. You know No, Burno. Burnham. Yeah. You're such a twat. I always consider myself more of a twat, but thank you for, for lessening the blow by calling me a twonk. <laughs> well, anyway... Turtles, Ghostbusters. Yes, I'm very excited for this. I um, I really like. I'm always a bit wary when things cross over or do stuff because there are weird pair. There are weird pair of franchises to put together. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure there was a Turtles X Files crossover not long ago. That was really fucking weird. Did you read uh, it? Was it was it any good? I think. I, do you know? I think I did, but I can't remember anything about it. That's Ooh, really bad. It's a mystery. I genuinely got no recollection of it at all. Where that's that's weirder. Like, at least with the Ghostbusters, <laughs> both franchises started in the 80s. Both have got a quartet. You know, it, that I suppose there's more parallels than Mulder and Scully in the Turtles. Like, that's weird. I don't know, though, because I suppose Mulder and Scully could be thinking that they're some sort of weird paranormal-type situation. Mm. I know, it just seems weird because the, the X-Files was always quite straight-laced for a show about the paranormal. It just seems odd. Yeah, mm, true. Anyway, I'll, I'll have to look that up later and, and could, why can't I remember I think about I think you're right and now I kind of want to read it. <laughs> just to see, because I love... Do you know what? I love bad comics as much as I love good comics. I really do. <laughs> do you know what, though? You should really catch up with the ongoing first, just in case. Well, yeah, but this at least this is just going to be a quick throwaway one-shot and I can wipe it from my mind. I'm not going to have to, like, knuckle down and just, like, belt through it like I will with... Well, not belt through, but, you know... I'm going to have to knuckle down and get through the, the IDW series, whereas that I could just be like, oh, and I've read that now. <sighs> <laughs> On to do something else. <laughs> <laughs> we are getting really off topic, like, all of the times. That sounds about unusual, to be fair. But, all right, summary. Very strong start to what hopefully will be a very good miniseries. Seems to be hand- being handled by the right people with Tom Waltz and Eric Burnham behind it, so... I've not. I've got faith in it, and hopefully, you know, hopefully it'll be awesome. What you said, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, in that case, then, Stace, have we? Uh, have you anything else that you'd like to quickly add about the uh, awesome intellectual property that is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Not particularly. What I do want to let people know about, though, is um, on Tuesday when I discovered that the last recording of this episode had been eaten by the uh, the monster that is the internet, I had a little cry. Partially because I was also annoyed uh, because we were supposed to have new sofas delivered on Monday and they didn't come. So I was sitting in a pile of quilts on my living room floor having a cry. <laughs> it was so sad. Um, I decided to cheer myself up by setting up a shop for the podcast that's got both Podcast in a Half Shell and uh, Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour merch in it. There's not much in there at the moment. Mostly because I don't have any idea of whether or not people even want to buy shit that's got my face or your face on it. Yeah, buy my face shirt. I, uh, do you know what? You're going to get at least one sale. I, I'm going to line your pockets by buying a t-shirt with my face on it because no, it I'm such, I'm such a narcissistic bastard that I want a t-shirt with my face on it. 
Oh, so do I, but um, I'm blatantly going to end up ordering one myself. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't line my pockets all that much because the commission I get is actually really dinky, but I don't really care because I'm not doing it to make money. I'm doing it because I thought people might be vaguely interested in having things. So if you want to buy anything that's got my my mug or this guy's mug on it, go to spcp.spreadshirt.co.uk and uh, you can buy some stuff. And then um, if you've got any suggestions on things you might want that aren't in the shop, let me know. But I will say that Spreadshirt's not very good uh, in terms of the products that it offers in the sense that, like, for example, I was going to put mugs on there because mugs are great. Who doesn't want a mug? Um, but it will only let you put the image on one side of the mug. Mm. So if I put the image on the right side of the mug, but you're left-handed, nobody will ever see the image when you drink. It'll look like you're drinking from a white mug. Once again, once again, the man is discriminating against us keggy-handers. Well, it's bullshit, bro. Because, because even if I if I were to put it on the left side, then that screws anyone who's right-handed. So to be fair, there's I probably more to... people that are right-handed. I think you'd probably make a bit more money if you did it for the right-handers. Well, I, I kind of wanted one that would wrap all the way around, really. Mm. But have you not had a look at like Cafe choice. Press or? Yeah, they, their stuff's really expensive. I uh, mean, Spreadshirt's not particularly cheap either, but they were like, hey, why not get people to pay 20 quid for a T-shirt? And I was like, oof, a bit steep, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, spcp.spreadshirt.co.uk to buy stuff. Um, if you want to contact us for any reason, you can drop me an email at stacysparlour at gmail.com. Uh, That's Stacy uh, with an E-Y and Parlour with a U. That is correct, yes. <laughs> Um, I don't know whether to set up a separate email for, for this podcast so that I can give you the access to it as well, Dunk, but I don't know how many well, well, people would be interested in emailing. <laughs> well, if you get in, if, if on some strange chance you get inundated with emails uh, for, for, for me on the parlour email, then by all means, but I'll be honest with you, I've had more people like messaging me on like Facebook or WhatsApp, like key going like, Oh, it was well funny. That was like, bless his little, <laughs> bless his little spuddy in Irish socks. Love you key. You silly sausage. <laughs> so that was nice. And obviously Paul, Paul contacted me over Facebook. So yeah, that's. I think that's about the extent of the praise I'm going to get from other people. Most of my family have like have, have listened to it and gone like, "Yeah, um, they know what you're on about." But you know, I clicked download, so you got to listen. <laughs> like, oh, fair enough. Well, you know, it Good gets the downloads up, I suppose. But <laughs> well, if people want to get in touch with you and uh, don't want to send me an email to my address, knowing that you won't be able to see it. There is also a Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour Facebook page where you can come and post things that... Duncan, are you a member of that group? I do believe I am. Good. That means Duncan can see any messages that you put on there, which is good. And you can also tweet us. I am at T, And I think I'm at Deadpool360. You are indeed. I'm going to burp. Oh, that was tiny and feeble. But treasured nonetheless. Buy my face shirt. All of you, buy my face shirt. Buy two. Buy one for me and one for you. You're just going to get inundated with shirts. I want all of the face shirts. I might get the baseball ones because I love a good long sleeve shirt. Oh, I don't think I could pull it off. But yeah, anyway, this this is more of a conversation topic for when we finish recording. (laughs) Well. So, sorry, go on. Continue, Stace, please. You are the host. Oh, 
Well, I was going to say, I was just going to round up the air. I'm not the host. We're co-hosts. We meet. No, you're the host. I'm the co-host. The co-host with the co-most. <laughs> All right. Fair that's going to be my. Uh, that's going to be my new sign on. Hooray! I mean, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, really. I know you um, do. <laughs> I think. <laughs> oh, fuck off. Well, while Stacy slowly dies in the corner, we are going to see you all next time. Latest potatoes. Yeah, guys, it'll be like 2015 and shit. See you then. Happy New Year. (laughs) 